as happens in most challenge seasons, we've come to a point in the game where it's like, all right, it's time for the next thing. Yeah. And like even the drama, like the people just sort of rub it up against each other the wrong way. Even that is a little bit tiresome at this point. You know what I mean? And I, right. like, I feel like like the room is side-eyeing Berna, not because she's Berna, but just because the stuff keeps happening with her. You know yes. what I mean? Yep. Um, and uh, She is just so committed to being a bad hang. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I actually had that in my notes. I'm like, how many second chances is Berna planning on asking for? Because I think we're on three already. Yeah. Um, and I do, like, I believe her, but it's just like, at some point, you got to get it together, you know? Yeah, so, I think she means it when she says it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't think she's a, I don't think she's like a bad egg, really. I think she's having a bad time, and she can't quite get her head out of it. Yeah. I, I think it's a little like Raven, you know? Yeah, I will well, say like this. This, this. game is just bad. It's not, there's not, there's nothing malicious. It's just bad. Right. I I do think she gave the best deliberation speech we've seen. She like kept <laughs> as it, low bar as that is. It's a very low bar, but she kept it short and sweet, and I think yeah. it was effective. <laughs> um, like she has is the only person so far to give a speech in deliberation that is like I think you got your point across, and that might actually keep you out of elimination this week, and it it did. Um, you know, we don't know that she would have been in anyway, but but I, I thought it was an effective speech, so credit to her for that. Um, Raven is the opposite, and in fact, that brings us to my burn of the week, which was actually a self-burn from Raven to Raven when she looked dead in the camera and said, I clearly don't know how to play this game. And I would say, my friend, you are correct. <laughs> yeah, make it every rookie mistake in the book. It's it's wild. And like she doesn't even understand what an ally is. And, and and she it's so funny because even when she thinks she's learning, she's like taking the wrong lessons from things. So she's like in trouble, essentially, for taking her allies' plans and sharing them with effectively the enemy, right? Yeah. And then in the most recent episode, by the she, way, something that like I, I don't know that you take you by surprise that people might have an issue with that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Got to see like, that one. Coming. It, and she does this whole thing. I just didn't think about how that might affect my allies' game. It's like, but that's what an ally is. What are you doing? <laughs> and then this week, she is she hears what the enemies are planning. And she's like, well, I learned my lesson last week. I'm not going to tell anybody about this. Mm. And it's like, no. <laughs> Now's when you do. You go to your allies, allies, A-L-L-I-E-S, and you tell them what the other side is planning. That is when you do talk. <laughs> like, <laughs> So what we're saying is we, we have a young lady uh, bright enough to be accepted into Columbia University. Uh, but apparently not understanding the concept of teams. <laughs> no, just totally baffled by how this works. And like the literal only thing she learned is like, well, I talk too much, so I'm just going to shut the hell up. And like, I, sort of, 
But except in the challenges, and I think, by the way, this is a, a problem that a lot of challengers are having as long as we're doing these group challenges the way yeah. that they are. Right? Like, then it's like, well, I have to have people see me leading and making a difference, right? So it's, like, performative leadership. And I, like, there's a there's incentive for a lot of people to do that kind of thing in those group challenges the way that they're set up now, right? Like, you're really just trying yeah. to convince people that you're contributing in some way. <laughs> Although it does seem so, like they finally figured out that they can't all lead the group. Um they they have sort of delegated better the last couple of challenges and they've won the money. Right, I was going to say uh, that you know coincides I think with they're performing a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I there is some of that, but like yeah, Raven is really it's it's wild when someone so fundamentally doesn't understand what's happening and and like how to handle themselves cuz like you said she's clearly not a f- total moron we've seen those on the show before and this is not what it looks like but she is like totally clueless in terms of what is actually what what the game actually is um yeah 100 percent. by the way um according to uh challenge t um i i guess the the bur the burna like bullying thing um, that started because she was like, you know, they, they showed kind of the shots of her dancing over there by the right. hot tub. She had a portable speaker, right? Yeah. That was like music that she was dancing to. And Narice was like, uh, you know, if you drop that in this hot tub, like we're all going to die. <laughs> so, so maybe cut it out. <laughs> yeah. And that was apparently the thing that said that that made her feel like she was getting bullied. Well, settled. right. I, she talked about that. Um, on the podcast, and I, I think it was about it was something like someone else had been dancing with the speaker, and then when she took it, they started telling her she needed to put it down or something. I, it sounds like it was essentially a drunken misunderstanding. Um, whatever it is that exactly happened, like I think everybody was uh, a few drinks in, and uh, then you've got people screaming at each other for no good reason. Um, pretty typical challenge fair, to be honest. Yeah, fairly. It, it seems like this is a slightly hornier house than maybe some of the. Uh, well, it's it's a younger house than we've seen in a long time, right? I right. mean, because right, they've deliberately taken all the the heavy vets out, you know. Right, right. and all those people that we've come to know and love are like almost, if not older than forty years old. It's not the same. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, even like even like Kyle, Kyle's like about to be a two-time father, I think. So right, exactly. There's like, a different level of maturity, I think. Than some yeah, people. and it still may not be like the ideal maturity <laughs> for a father of two, but it uh, it's more mature than the Kyle we saw five years ago. So right. I I think that that change really happened with a lot of. And to be fair, I also I'm think back. like the the. The, sh- the shine, you know, like being on the challenge for five seasons or something like that puts you in a level of celebrity that probably forces a little bit of maturity on most people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I-, I think these not are most people. Yeah, not everybody. Um, <laughs> but but these are largely like fresher faces that are still prepared. to. I mean, even look at Corey, right? Like. 
these people are prepared to be Corey from his first three seasons on television and not worry too much about it. Whereas like once you hit 30 or, or certainly 35, I think it's, you start to feel less cool and more like a jackass if you're acting that way on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the other thing, I guess that the, the tea thing that was sort of floating around was like, uh, bananas was saying that the whole thing about him and, you know, like, his name sort of coming up uh, on these couple episodes was just, uh, uh, I don't know if staged is the right word, you know what I mean? But like basically a little bit of manufactured drama because, you know, they weren't exclusive. And right. Bannis <laughs> had no expectation that she would be exclusive. So, right. I, I And look, I do think there's obviously something there because Mariah was pretty upset about it. Um, yeah. And it's a weird situation, and, like, it's tough. But I guarantee pretty much every time the name Bananas was said, we saw it. You know what I mean? Like, there's plenty that happens that we don't see. So I I would say I agree with Bananas in that there's no way producers wasted opportunities to talk about Johnny Bananas on the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not saying Mariah's should, faking it. it. For the phone call, I'm a little I'm a little surprised we didn't get the video call from Bananas in that episode. Right. And, and, and I, the only reason I can think of is because I, I think that his reaction would have just been like, yeah, cool. Like, if anybody's understanding getting a little messy on a challenge, I feel like it's Johnny Bananas. Yeah, I think, obviously, <laughs> he's going to be a grown-up about it because he is yeah. a grown-up. Um, but... But also, I just think, like, who was going to call him? There's no, like, deep bananas, uh, you know. No, he'd have to, like, call into her just to, like, chat with her or whatever, you know Well, what I right, mean? but I think she would have to call him is how that would have to happen. And I don't imagine, like, he was the first person she wanted to talk to in that moment. So I think that's why we didn't see it. But I wouldn't have been surprised if... if like, it would not shock me if we somehow find out that the producers were like, Mariah, maybe you should give Bananas a call. You know? And she was like, no thanks. Um, I don't know. But, but again, like, I'm sure they took every opportunity to put his name on the show because he's, he he's the challenge, as he has said. But I don't think the whole thing was manufactured from the standpoint of, like, Mariah making it a thing that didn't exist because I, I you know they clearly have something going on and it's been going on for a year yeah yeah like that's that's significant whether you're exclusive or not like she she may not have done anything wrong but like there were clearly emotions involved yeah and maybe some more to come i don't know i feel like we're not quite done with this whole thing Oh no, there's no way we're done as long as they're both on the show. And and I don't think we're done with Callum and Michelle either. Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree. I think there's some spicy stuff coming there. I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to work out great for Michelle. That would also be my prediction. I don't think it's going to work out great for anybody. <laughs> it's definitely not working out great for Callum. No. If it, like even if it even if the entire season works out for uh, great for Callum when he gets home, it's not going to work out great. You know what I mean? Like he's he's set up for failure, and he he knows it too. That's the best part. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is a disaster. And and 
He's not Congratulations that this is being televised. <laughs> right, right. He's not like old, old, but he's he's not like 22 either. And he has that moment where he's like, man, if you had told me when I was 22, like two women, it's pretty great, but I'm not 22 and this is not great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, he's 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 got himself right in it, right in it. Um, and and yeah, I guess just even this conversation proves it's been a hornier season than we've seen in recent recent seasons. But uh, can I can I just throw some random things at you here? Because there's a few random notes I feel like I need to get to. OK. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh is there a more like breath of fresh air thank god you're around character on this show than ed <laughs> no no there is not no there is not he's lovely he just <laughs> seems he's in. <laughs> yes it, like i think people the, this house would be going into like really dark places if ed wasn't there right now i really feel that um <laughs> and the lifeguard ed moment was spectacular <laughs> they threw in some Baywatch music. I was gonna say, good for the producers for going going in and getting the Baywatch music and doing yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. And he's just <laughs> like he doesn't get mad at anybody. He's always smiling. He seems really friendly. He like helps people out. He did an extra I'm swim. Funny, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and he's funny, and he's funny, and he seems very self aware and like not taking himself too seriously. A hundred percent, hundred percent. He's like. Polly to like his like full potential you know what i mean right like <laughs> yeah like if Polly was just like super nice and chill and easygoing like i feel like he, he and Ed yeah sort of sort of it's just uh, look man i mean cornell university producing like uh you know strong-armed uh dudes since what when did you graduate like uh, i graduated 2000- Ninety-seven. Man, we really got to go back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a ways. I don't even think the challenger was on yet. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Um, I was a wee uh, a, a wee high school lad. Um, all right. So uh, Ed, lovely, can't get enough. Ed, hope he wins. Um, did you notice the fucking marshmallows? I did. Who what? was it? I forget whose first s'more was it. No, but I Huey's? mean, it was Huey, I think. Apparently, yeah. s'mores are a totally American thing. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I say that, yeah, like I had strong knowledge of that, but I that was my, I, you know, yeah. It's, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I think like, I think it belongs in the upper echelon of American achievements, frankly. <laughs> Really? <laughs> the s'more, uh, like, listen, I it's some food and some chocolate in the graham cracker. <laughs> I am not someone who's like eating s'mores on a super regular basis. Um, I'm not a camper, but they're spectacular. I mean, it's a it's a lovely culinary innovation. You know, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna push back a little bit. Oh boy, and say that the flavors of a s'more are spectacular right right 
chocolate, marshmallow, and graham cracker together are an unequivocal delight. But your campfire s'more rarely rarely always break. Yeah, like it's quite messed up. It's a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, well, right. But like, okay, but I'm not gonna blame, um, you know, David Chang for somebody making like bad Momofuku noodles at home. Okay. (laughs) No, which you should definitely do, by the way. The Momofuku noodles at home, they're really good. Yeah, it's good Uh, stuff. And they're totally reasonably like they cost basically what ramen costs. Right. And they're really like. Throw them in a stir fry. You like elevate the whole thing. I but we are we're consumers of the Momofuku brand over here. Um, Come sauces and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, okay, so but I th- that's all. This is all actually a sideline to the marshmallow conversation I wanted to have because I'm not sure you did notice the marshmallows. There was a, like a green thing in it. Is that the part that you were kind of going for? But they were like swirls. They were yeah, like. like- like it was like a green swirl in them, yeah. Is that what it was? Was it a green swirl, or it looked to me almost like they were like spiral, spiralized marshmallows somehow? I was very thrown off, and then I realized perhaps, like, they don't just have normal, normal ass marshmallows in Croatia. Yeah, I was gonna say the, well, the marshmallow itself feels very American, right? So, like, I don't know. I don't know the, the British is over there in, in Europe. The British do a lot i mean most of our sweets are british things mm. the british the british not only like is all the chocolate there so much better than our chocolate i it's, it's hard to even make sense of but they like they have a sugar version of everything like they really overdo sweets in they do all sorts of weird jellies and it's like so, while you may be right that the marshmallow is, in fact, more of an American innovation, like, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it's based on something European. Like, they, they got Turkish delight it's so, over there. It's so manufactured and processed. I think that's part of right. what makes it feel really American. Yeah. And that's very British. Right. You know what I mean? That tracks. That tracks that, like, the marshmallow, as Americans know it, is a bastardization uh mass mass manufactured version of something british <laughs> yeah that's probably that's probably how we got yeah um i'm glad we got to the bottom of that okay uh a, a few other random thoughts um the uh the cory situation He, like, (laughs) you could tell in the previous episode that he was just, like, chomping at the bit to do something dramatic and (laughs) screw himself over. (laughs) You know, and he was like, but I'm not going to do it. I don't know exactly which Corey situation you were referring to, but now that you're you're explaining it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, he was just, he just, it's like he was bored and he was just dying to to be messy. And then in the next episode, he got messy. And, I, like, what it all came down to for me in the end, and, and I think this is, this is sort of the proof in the pudding in terms of, like, he just wanted to be – he just felt the messy feeling and couldn't help himself, 
as opposed to like anything making sense is like I'm I'm not here to tell people not to take sh- big shots, right? But just like if you're going to take if you're going to be the first person, if you're going to like draw first blood in a challenge game. Don't talk about it before you do it. Well, That's first of all, definitely don't talk about it before you do it. But also like just be be able to explain to me in three sentences or less, basically why. What is the point? What are you going to gain? And as I best, don't think they always know. Well, they often don't, and those are the, the idiots. And, and the best... Corey pretended like he did know, but what it came down to, as best I could understand what the hell he was saying, is that in the end, what he seemed to be saying was like, well, I'm... You know, Zara is a great competitor in a final. And there's only one champion. And I guess what I would say to that is, sir, if you are trying to turn the house against Zara, who nobody seems to have any issues with, because you're worried she might beat you in a final, may I suggest you've got bigger fish to fry? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird look. I agree. Like, I agree. Is Zara a really good face value so much when he said that? I think he was just looking for reasons. Maybe. And maybe that's what it was is that he was just like throwing something out there because he just felt like it. But that was kind of, I guess, my point is like that's the proof in the pudding that he did it because he felt like it. And that's just, it's not a winning solution. Like, it didn't immediately bite him but that's not going to be good because really like if you're worried about Zara being a good competitor what you should be worried about is how she can affect you in the All house, the house being mad at you <laughs> right when you when it doesn't work but for no reason yeah yeah because there's no reason to believe that you can do this like there's no reason to think people are going to ride with you throwing in Zara for no reason whatsoever um it's just not it's not going to happen and so doing something that then like you're it's a risk reward measurement that's all off you know like sure risk turning some some of the women against you if you've got a 50 to 60% chance of of pulling it off for a like 1% chance of pulling it off this is not worth it my friend yeah yeah some some clear gameplay mistakes still being made, and that's why we need to get some vets in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get some vets in. And speaking of gameplay mistakes, this is another one that, like, it didn't really have a significant effect because they finished the challenge and Ed came to the rescue and Bay watched the situation to safety. However, there was a clear discussion about, well, maybe we should send people to like puzzle pieces that are appropriately, you know, distanced from the surface based on their swimming ability. And someone was like, nah, 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 just like swim and get it. And Narice, like, look, I don't know if she would have been able to get any of the puzzle pieces because she wasn't getting too far down. Not but she fi- was, she was trying and the piece they gave her was definitely one of the deepest pieces. Like, it took Ed a while to get down there. <laughs> you know? 
some of the people did not have to swim that far. And if they had given her the show, she said it. She was one of like three people at the beginning who was like, this is not my strength. If they had just given her the shortest possible one, I think she might have gotten it done. Possibly. Possibly. But then, right, then you stand out for being, I needed the shortest one to complete this. You know but I mean, I mean, she volunteered that information. Yeah, I guess that's true. She did come right from the beginning and said, I'm not as confident as a swimmer. Right. So. And they were like, great, we'll do nothing to accommodate that. Um, yeah. And in the end, like, Ed that, had to that- make... How much? <laughs> no. And look, Ed had to make a final trip, and they got it done with seconds to spare, apparently. Um, so it did not end up mattering. But like, That was amazing. It was. But, but just like from the standpoint of why are, not, why are we not using strategy to our advantage as a, as a group, it's very confusing to me. Um, and then my last random note, I just want to say, like, we've already talked about Narice, and she's – doing it and there's a huge edge to her as well but mariah has had some bars in these episodes man like she's really good in an itm she's at least a pretty good physical competitor like i think we really got from from that ride or die season between olivia narice and mariah that might be the best trio of lady competitors to ever come into the game at once. Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue some single ladies might beat someone in that trio, but if you're just talking about trios coming in as a group, it's pretty nuts, I, man. Like it's a fresh meat. Um, one of the fresh meat seasons had a pretty ripping caster of girls. Yes. Well, but I'm, some of them were veterans, right? So, like, Jody was on one of those, I think, but but she had been on a ton. But there was, I think, Cara Maria and Laurel started in the same season, which is huge. And obviously, they've had long careers. But but I'm just thinking over the past decade, there's been nothing like that where you get three apparently strong female competitors who look like they could have long careers in this game all enter the game at once. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say certainly it's rare. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Super rare. Um, So shout out to them. And I just think like not only are they all good physical competitors and like interesting TV characters, but they're all like reasonably I don't know they're, they're all like reasonably smart you know they they have their heads about them like it's really it it's it, it's rare yep uh, a lot of a lot of dummies fresh meat one had Evelyn um Diem and yeah, no, I think I guess that's that's probably it in terms of you'd say like had a long term impact on the challenge. So not not three in Fresh Meat One. Yeah, and again, it remains to be seen whether these three will have a long term impact. But like they all feel like they could. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot to come in terms of, um, you know, whether whether what you know, you got to put in your years on the challenge to right to really. Right. Uh, uh, Fresh Meat 2, man, I had some people you sure as hell forgot about. 
Yeah. Uh, um, well, and that's the point is like every yeah. season for the entirety of the challenge has some people we sure as hell forgot about. And that's more the norm than people coming in and it instantly being like, oh, they have staying power, you know? Yeah. Laura was not on Fresh Me Too, apparently. Just according to this. So there you oh. go. Uh, oh, no, there she is. There she is. All right. So, uh, so Laurel, Car Maria. And I would, I, I guess you throw Teresa in there as the third person from Fresh Meat, too. Yeah, I, I suppose, but I never liked Teresa, probably. so forget her. <laughs> that that would be that would be your competitive trio there. Yeah, that's. Man. I mean, that one has you know two of the greatest women to ever play the game, so it's it's tough to argue based on career at this point. But um, that's. That's something we'll answer in the long term. Um, I I will say like I would take all three of the newbies over Teresa in any situation uh, heretofore for the rest of time. So, um, you know. <laughs> well, yes, you just don't like Teresa. That's fair. Well, no, but I mean, I think they're all better competitors than her and better television characters than her. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I would, I would, I would rather watch. She Um, did. And I would rather watch and also rather compete alongside Norris, Mariah or Olivia. And I don't have to think about it for very long. Two two and seven all time in eliminations is not, uh, no, Teresa was uh, Teresa's greatest achievement is being there a lot. Yeah. Distant, distant third, certainly from the other two. In that <laughs> sort of a poor man's Amanda, if you will. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit of poor man's Amanda. Agreed. Yeah. Um, what do you think of BT, uh, Big T's coming out? Great. I, I mean, I think it's out of nowhere, but cool. <laughs> you know, cool. Yeah, I, I like a, a, a bold choice for her. Um, you know, presumably there's some reason she hadn't come out before now, and and like good for her for doing it on a grand stage and in grand fashion um and good for her for you know living her authentic life and all that and uh i do think it's a it's nice that this is the kind of show where that's a thing that can happen yeah and that everyone is is everyone is super supportive that's great that part right. is great i wish she'd been a little bit more specific about what she was coming out as cuz we've certainly seen her in some uh, opposite sex relationships on this show, did she like have an affair with a woman and decide that she's just women from now on? Is she hitting for both teams? Like, if you're coming out, like, you know, yeah, what's you were talking about here? I, I don't think that's too much to ask. I mean, I understand it's none of my business generally, but yeah, you know, put it out there to the world. It was a pretty non-specific coming out party, but uh, I think I don't care at the end of the day. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I I think I'm I'm comfortable uh, I'm with the, but I you know if we're doing it I'd like to know. Sure. That's all. Yeah. Look, I, was I curious at any point? Sure. Yeah, I wondered. Um, but also, uh, you know, I pretty quickly settled on I don't particularly care, and it definitely whatever the answer to that question is will never ever have any bearing on my own life. Um, <laughs> so. It's not something I really need to be concerned with. And uh, congratulations to Big T. She continues to be a delight to watch on television. Sure. I would I would also like to congratulate fellow delight on television, Hui, who, uh, yeah. who got a sweetest contestant we've ever had 
from TJ. Yeah, I mean, I think I interesting praise. I thought. Yes, and I'm not going to say it's damning, or even that it's faint praise. But I will say it's not the highest bar in the world. Certainly a comment on your on your competitive ability, right? Um. Yes, it's it. Well, I mean, look, you know, not even really, right? Like, it's not news to say Huhui was not a threat to win this thing. <laughs> I mean, right? That's what I'm, you know. So, like. I- I guess it's a comment on that, but it's not an interesting or or like surprising comment on her (laughs) physical ability. It's just acknowledging that while her physical ability may not necessarily be peak, she's a lovely person and and she does truly seem like a lovely person, even if it is a pretty low bar to be the loveliest person ever on the challenge. (laughs) Sweetest. (laughs) But I mean, I. I did for a second think about like, huh? I wonder who else goes on that list, and I I, I got nobody. Uh, of sweet people, uh, you got to put Diem on the sweet people of the challenge list, right? Yeah, I guess. But I would say I would say Big T is a sweetie, a pretty sweet person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and like I love Diem, and she certainly was a sweet person uh, to a degree. Um, but I don't know that we would be saying that if she was alive. So I don't know. She was pretty like, and even if she was alive, okay, you know, even if that's true, you know what I mean. Even if that's true, that's three total people, including Huhui, and (laughs) and one of them is also on this season. That's full of people who've only been on like three or four times at most. So (laughs) it is really a short list. Um, and. I'm sure TJ meant no offense to DM when he said Huhui was the sweetest person who's ever been you know, on the challenge. You know who, could be, who could be up for this is a uh, one-time challenge contestant and international celebrity Jamie Chung. I feel like could be in the not bad, uh, not bad. This contestant ever. She was she was uh, very nice. And I'm sure there there are probably a dozen super sweet contestants who that we totally forgot about exactly <laughs> whose names we would like vaguely recognize if someone showed them to us. But that's kind of the deal. This is not a place where sweet people tend to thrive. Um, I do think like I, James is weirdly sweet, actually. <laughs> that's true. That's but 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 weirdly sweet is different from like you're the sweetest. You know what I mean? Like. It's surprising that James is not a total meathead. It is, Ed is probably weirdly sweet too, right? But but I still don't. I don't think they're in the same category as the uh, Huhuis and DMs of the world. I'm not even sure Big T is in that category. No, no, you're right. Um. <laughs> so so yeah. All right. Well, once again, TJ's right. As, yeah. Uh, I guess. Congrats to Huhui. Uh, and and I also. Really, like, thumbs up to TJ for acknowledging. And also, I would like to, like, publicly, I don't know that I owe a mea culpa, but, like, I'm not sure I've appreciated Huey enough. Because I'm, I'm on, I'm like all the other contestants, and focused on like he's probably the guy I'd want to take on an elim- an elimination. But 
God, he does. He makes the show more fun when he's on. So he's a lot of mouth for for better and for worse. Sometimes it's definitely for better. Sometimes it's a little. I get a little annoyed. You know what I mean? He can definitely be annoying, but like he's a Not twist to hijack something and make it all about him. You know what I mean? Yes, but he is a fun twist on this show, and it is enjoyable to see him on it. And I, I like TJ. Hope to see him again because he does. You know. Uh, sometimes to no particular advantage, really give us all. Yeah. Corey's like a way less fun Huey. You know what I mean? Yeah, way less fun. Way yeah. less fun, but definitely bigger and stronger. <laughs> <laughs> red, 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 better in this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here we are. I don't know. I'm ready to see Jordan come in there and kick somebody's ass and send somebody home. So hopefully that happens next week. Oh, yeah, that was one other random thing that I didn't write down, but I did think a lot about. Um, have you noticed that Kyland talks about Jordan as if Jordan is, like, his personal hero and mentor? I have not noticed this, no. Oh, man. What he gave that whole – he had that whole bit about how I was watching some, like, Jordan game tape, and I did notice that he had to go into elimination twice every time he won a challenge. <laughs> I don't I don't recall that. Oh what, man. That was, was in that one of these two episodes. Like, it was? Yeah, he, he was just talking about like watching old Jordan tape. Um and it, the the weirdest part about it is that he talked about it as if it was a thing that we all knew about already, you know? I mean, look, as if I'm, like Weird, because if I went on the challenge, I would definitely watch tape of people I thought were also going to be on the challenge. So. No, look, watching tape is smart. I, I'm just saying the way he talked about Jordan specifically was as if not just that Jordan was like his hero and mentor, but also as if we, the viewers, should already know that. Yeah, well, that's um, fair. It was pretty funny uh, and, and also a little creepy. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see the effect Jordan has on some of these competitors, I guess is where I'm going with that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and I'm just ready to see some familiar faces kicking some butt. Yeah, and no doubt. It's changes to this game and just these, we need to shake these, these kids up a little bit and have them a little, be a little bit more scared. You know what I mean? We just do. There's Indeed, too many. It's time right now. That's right. Way yep. too many people, way too comfortable. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, should we segue on to the world of entertainment? I love the world of entertainment. <laughs> um, what do you want to? What do you want to talk about first? Um, let's talk about Quiz Lady. Um, yeah. I. This is. I don't. Do you know what the plan was for this movie? Was this like something that was supposed to be in theaters? And they just punted over to Hulu. Or, I don't know. Or what? I thought what? you were gonna. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna ask if the plan was for the leads to play the opposite part. Oh. I guess I could see that. I mean. It's. I, I would say, and I mean this. I mean this with no offense. It's probably a little harder to buy Sandra O oh as the baby sister of the two of them, don't you think? Yeah. No. I mean, not. 
like right i just wonder if there was not to make uh sandra oh the younger sister but to make her the 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 plaid pants sister um because that would be look i didn't think this was terrible or anything um there was there were a few funny moments mostly surrounding a dog um a lot of run a dog. Uh, I thought Aquafina, you know, on drugs at the audition. That was, was funny. Yeah. yeah, there there are definitely funny moments, but it really felt to but me not, a, not enough funny moments. Not enough, no, to make it like a recommendation. And and it really felt to me like <clears throat> both of them were trying so hard to sort of play against type. And it's not that they were bad. But just that it might have been easier and better and more fun and a funnier movie if Aquafina was doing her thing and Sandra Oh was doing at least a version of her thing. Mm. See, I feel like, I don't know, like I feel like uh, uptight, nerdy Aquafina is one of the things in Aquafina's bag. You know what I mean? Again, right up there, the ability to play drama, you know? Oh, yeah, it is. And and being a like forty something child is in Sandra O's bag. They both pulled it off. It just felt like a strain to me. I felt like I could see the sweat. <laughs> I felt like uh, Sandra O needed more to do. Maybe I felt like Sandra was a little wasted in this. Yeah, well, I, but I mean, part of that I think is the role, right? Like. How much are you going to give her to do? Like the, yes, she has a heart of gold and like turned out to be taking care of her sister all along. But but like fundamentally, the character is kind of a vapid jackass. That's what I mean, right? Like, yeah, I just feel like you want you want a, a bigger, more interesting role for her to play than the the character as written. Yeah, and look, I don't. I'm not saying Aquafina doesn't deserve more than a vapid jackass i just feel like her vapid jackass fills the space better maybe mm. <laughs> i don't know i i don't know exact like it's hard for me to pin it down exactly because i don't really have any hard criticism it's not like i was watching this being like i just don't buy aquafina as this nerd because she's totally totally viable um i just maybe i'm just searching for ways to improve Something that felt like it should have been better than it was, but um, yeah. and and honestly, they didn't really even let Will Ferrell off the leash at all. You know what I mean? No, it was a very staid and dare I say boring Will Ferrell performance. Yeah, yeah, and you know, for someone whose character I think was a big part of this story, right? Like beyond obviously the stuff that he's you know that you see him doing on screen. Like I just right. There's, there was more meat on this bone, I feel like, the uh, the Terry McTeer bone than, than we kind of get. You know what I mean? Like, if anything, like, Jason Schwartzman's the guy really going for it in this. <laughs> when does he not? And he was good, too. No, and again, I, like, I'm not, I wouldn't say Will Ferrell wasn't good. It's just, once again, I feel like we're saying the movie was less than the sum of its parts. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a, it's a fine time filler, but I yeah. To... <laughs> but who needs a time filler when there are probably enough good things to fill your time? Yeah, 
I certainly don't. Yeah. Time, time, filling the time is the last thing that uh, I'm having trouble with these days. Right. I mean, it, it, that's, yeah. What was I just watching where someone was, was it Bluey? I can't, these days it's hard for me to remember if I've seen things on kids shows or adult shows sometimes. I don't know. Bluey is a better use of your time than 90% of the things that we talk about. Bluey is so damn good. I mean, mostly it's wondering if I saw it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's, did I see it on Bluey or an adult show? Because most of the kids shows I, I'm not actually paying any attention to, but Bluey is really a, a wonderful program. Anyway, someone on something I was watching recently was talking about how precious a, a resource time is, and I, uh, I very much identify with that. Was it something else we watched? Yeah, it might have been. It might have been something else we watched. But I, um, I don't know. Was it fingernails? It might have been fingernails. You think? Let's talk about fingernails. I'll tell you what. It was not neon, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, let's I, I talk about fingernails. Like, I did not feel like um, fingernails took great care with my precious time either. In fact, I would say if there was one thing I would say about it, it was uh, a bit meandering and overly long. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny because there is this – there's this lament that we've made on multiple occasions about um, the mid-size movie and its potential demise. Uh, but honestly, the more of them we get, the more I wonder if the demise of this this size of movie from just like a story scope and, and audience standpoint is more to do with the fact that no one's making good ones than anything else. Because like I just... <laughs> Could be, could very well be. I don't know what the what what I don't know. I just don't know what we're doing here, man. I just I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. And and there is nothing about this movie to stamp it as bad or like unwatchable or. But it's literally. I I mean I I I very literally want to ask the creators why do you think. I should spend my time watching this movie because it does not seem to be attempting to like entertain in a broad sense. It does not seem to want to create like a, a pleasurable, enjoyable experience. It's not like scary or horror-y per se. And it doesn't seem to have any worthwhile takeaway point. I so think like, it wants to be a little black mirror-y. You know what I mean? I guess, but they don't explain the technology in any meaningful way. It, it It's very much just like, here's a weird trade you can make in the future, and then here's a story about it that doesn't necessarily have any point or beginning or end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I sincerely want to know what the creators thought they were doing they thought i got jesse buckley and riz ahmed and jeremy allen white in a in a possible love triangle how could this go wrong yeah well they did it that's what i'm thinking and then now you know now you, you saw how this is how it could go wrong when the you know make it make it a love triangle but no love and hardly a triangle Oddly, a movie strangely obsessed with the 80s for a, a film that's ostensibly taking place in the future. <laughs> yeah, that too. 
Um, <laughs> also, just like... I'm not sure they developed any of the characters or relationships well enough from a script standpoint for us to care, even if the love triangle had been meaningful and well executed. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't I mean, I guess you're supposed to care for, uh, you know, Riz Ahmed's character, right? I guess, but, but he's barely, we barely get to know him as a person at all. Yeah. And... He's like really not he's really hardly a character in this other than as the object of this woman's like passing infatuation. You know? And like the fact that he ends up in love with her, like we don't know really what led to that. We barely find out that his girlfriend is fake. Like it's just I'm sorry if I'm spoiling things, but honestly, don't watch this movie. Like it's just not worth the time. <laughs> and I hate to say that because I really love watching all three of the people who appear prominently in this movie. I'm excited to see it when you see a trailer for it, you know? Yeah. What I mean? And uh, it just there's it doesn't it doesn't come together in a meaningful way at all. Yeah. I I can't argue with any of that. It's just not it's not very fun in any way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and that, that movie, could. there was a fun movie in there. You know what I mean? Right. And this is what's so frustrating is I feel like we say this more than anything else about the movies we are seeing. I mean, well, there's a few things, right? Either there's, you know, either we have a conversation where I'm like, that was pretty good. And you're like, it sucked. And that's because it's a superhero movie. Um, or <laughs> we have a conversation where we're like, God, we watch this because we like all the people and it seemed like a good idea and it just didn't work. Just didn't never got there. Yeah. I feel like we say that so often. I think it's hard. It's hard making a movie that works. You Must know? be. Must and be pretty hard. Probably even truer now in these kind of like, you know, these environments where being the business of film is so risky, you know. Well, um, right, but I would almost think that... <sighs> The problem isn't even really the level of risk. It's the it's the it's the whole mechanism for decision making, right? The we I I would argue the market doesn't actually know how hard it is to make a good movie because the people deciding which movies go and what is required of them in order to go don't know shit from Shinola when it comes to movie making. So like you just impugn all the studio executives of Hollywood. I, yeah. I mean, I'm generalizing obviously. Right. And, and there's a reason why certain executives seem to preside over, you know, winning stretches at one company and then suddenly go to the other one and the other company starts having a winning stretch, right? Like, I think you can track who the good big-time producers are, but I think, like, the average Hollywood boardroom is not filled with them. Um, and so I think that, like, as it as it relates to the quality of the art, I think sometimes it's random the whether or not you're getting it. 
because the decisions yeah. are being made based on factors that actually have nothing to do with whether it's going to be good or not. And whether it turns out to be good is almost a coincidence, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I mean, you don't like to think of it that way. You want to think of um, somebody who knows exactly what they're trying to do and and, and accomplishing it when, when it comes to these things. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that's too far off, certainly given a lot of stuff uh, that we've seen. Um, well, I mean, look, we've uh, we've both spent some time working in an entertainment adjacent, at least, business, and I know we've both seen our fair share of decisions about the entertainment product being made based on things that have nothing to do with entertainment, right? Oh yeah, it's, it's just sort of the nature of of art or art and inter- arts and entertainment within capitalism, right? Or working and working in a, just a group business. Right, yeah. like there are times where the business priorities are going to take precedent over your uh, artistic content or instincts. Yes, uh, but also there are some times where, like, it's not necessarily a business decision either, and God knows what the actual reasons for things happening are. Right, <laughs> people, you know, people are not, um, not so good at doing things. No, no, they're not. Speaking of which, uh, should we we should we talk about neon? Um, we talked about this. So uh, I yeah, let me just let me get out in front of this. Um, okay. I mentioned a podcast on our last podcast called Six Ring. Um, sorry, Six Trophies. Um, but you can understand why I'd think Six Rings because when it comes to basketball, I always think Six Rings. Thank you very much. Go Bulls. Uh, anyway. Six Trophies is a podcast featuring Jason Concepcion and... Waiting a while on that seventh. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. You want to rep the Hawks or the T-Wolves there, big guy? Um, what are you doing? Oh, oh, okay. All right. My bad. Okay. Well, get two more and we can have a conversation. Anyway, the, listen. What I'm saying is... Uh, I totally lost track of what I was saying. Six Trophies is a podcast... With Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion. And I mentioned that I brought the Netflix show uh, Neon to the table for our podcast, The Toy Department, because I heard Shea mention it on Six Trophies. And uh, in retrospect, the context in which I heard him mention it was basically just like towards the end of the show, him being like, oh, you should watch Neon. I didn't I didn't even mention I can't believe I didn't mention that today. And I thought to myself, oh, he must really like the show neon i i bet it's good um well and he probably does really like the show neon i think he probably loves it uh because uh, but there's a significant but there <laughs> I, I was i was as surprised as derek when episode one ended and the first title card that popped up was created by shea serrano <laughs> um so i mean i guess what i'm saying is if shea is listening to this podcast like bravo you got one um but also, I'm not upset. I'm not upset at all. I love this show. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's like The Wire or anything like that. Uh, what I will tell you is that it shares something with its predecessor in the Shea Serrano television show catalog, which is the show Primo. Um, very notably, I think, shares... I don't even know what to call it. A heart? A vibe? Something at the center yeah. that makes it feel good. It has a love for its characters, flaws included. Yes. And, and um, 
a hey like we're all one big weird family vibe you yes. know what i mean for better or for worse and it's and i find that vibe lovely i find the characters charming i think the like you know I don't even know what to call it, but there's sort of like entourage elements in here. There's, uh, you know, music, uh, up and coming story, sort of Daisy Jones in the six type of, not really very similar to that, but I think you get <laughs> my meaning like a yes, I do. rise uh, of a musician yeah, biopic I, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's all these different sort of flavors to it. And I think it's a really winning formula. I will say my um, – despite the fact that I think that, that there are some of the biggest names that you can find in, in reggaeton that appear in this, uh, my appreciation for the genre has grown none. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's very specific. Uh, I would say the – I mean, look, the really biggest names in the genre are, what, Bad Bunny and J Balvin, and, and I don't think we saw them. Um, yeah, yeah, we haven't had them, no. But we did see Daddy Yankee. <laughs> I was gonna say Daddy Yankee's pretty up there, though, right? He's, on that list, he's older, but yes, he's very much up there. Sort of a godfather of reggaeton, as I understand it, and uh, and of course, he only yeah. I mean, his cameo is very specific. But the the two guys in the club, my wife did know one of them, so they're at least like reasonably big in the reggaeton scene, if not bigger. Um, and yeah, I I guess I would say I'm not sure my appreciation of reggaeton is going to change either, but. It does not affect my enjoyment of the show whatsoever because ultimately it's a show about friends and, you know, being a 20 something with the world at your fingertips. Like it's uh, and I just think it's really cleverly written and, and it just has this sort of heart that that holds it together. Yeah, I think, um, you know, something else that, that maybe it shares with um, Primo is uh, a real eye for casting with largely uh, unknowns. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah, I mean the three leads of this show and four, if you want to count Mia, are all seemingly perfect for their role. Totally, like you know, in one episode, and I've watched three or four now, but in one episode, you like feel like you know these people and love them, um, and that is really, really hard to do with unknown people. Yeah, I agree. I agree, uh, and that's one thing I think that this, that both of his shows have done uh, uh, fairly easily. Made it seem easy, you know right. what I mean? Right. So. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Shout out Chase Serrano. He he may have uh, inadvertently bamboozled us into watching this show, but I have no regrets. <laughs> yeah, I will probably finish it uh, just because it goes fast. You know what I mean? It's, 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 yeah, goes see the show. Not unlike Primo, it it goes down easy. It's fun. It's fast, and you know, there's what eight or eight episodes or something like. Yeah, there's no doubt I'll finish this probably soon. Yeah. Uh, while we're here, I do want to give a shout out to the morning show, um, which is still not good, um, but careening wildly across the tracks. And I guess the season finale uh, is out this week, so I, I'm I'm very excited. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've it. been I've been putting it on the back burner, but a binge may be in order. It might it might be. You might just want to. I feel like you, that's the best way to experience the insanity of the morning show. To be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, bringing John Hammond to the mix. Uh, great idea. Great idea. Yeah, it's right there in the name. Um, and I think we're getting some more ham. 
this fall. I believe he's got another team. Literally or figuratively? <laughs> figuratively. H A M M. You know, I mean, I don't know what you're doing at Thanksgiving or Christmas. I don't think we're a ham house. I don't no, I'm. I meant. I meant. Uh, I meant a totally different figurative ham. Um, I meant like literal John Ham or just hamming it up. Oh, as gotcha. they do in the morning show. Anyway, all right. Uh, yeah, he's doing both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, yeah. All right. That, that was the joke I was trying to make. I apologize to everybody involved, especially you, Derek. Let's do homework. Let's do Let's do homework. All right. Uh, we're, we're trying to stay with three. Um, Try to keep it light for old traveling D over there. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to settle down these next few weeks. I, I don't have too many more travels. Bet you say that um, to all the girls. Although that you know, um, that's that may not be true because I, I I'm still trying to keep my frequent flyer status, and, and we're getting down to the end of the year, so I may have to manufacture some trips. You're one of them, huh? You're gonna take a couple take a couple trips for the status. <laughs> well, when you're this when you get to the point where you're this close, you right. know what I mean? We're right. like. It's that like, might well, be if I just bought a first class ticket here that I that I keep it for one more year then you know Yeah what I mean? man that that and that that one first class ticket is going to get you like three upgrades next year so you know Exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> Um all right sorry um, I get it my dad's a frequent flyer you know we took a lot of uh free plane flights as kids as as was mine as yeah. was mine Um all right let's get to the killer uh, which is uh, on Netflix and is directed by David Fincher. And uh, that's all I feel like needs to be said about that. That's really all I know about it. I mean, I know one or two of the people in the cast, but like if David Fincher can't make a good movie for us, what hope do we have? <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm going to guess that you probably need to devote some time to that too. That's uh... That'd be my guess as well, although I have not checked the running time. I, we still have not found time for Killers of the Flower Moon. It might take a couple years to get like a three and a half hour window, <laughs> to be honest it's with still you. Still only in theaters, right? Yeah. We'll get when it comes on Apple. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll do watch it, it, right? We'll watch it. Yeah, I don't think it's too far from then, but no. But I mean, who can who can hold who can hold their bladder for three and a half hours? Like I am, I am just glad that it's become a thing, at least that everyone talks about, and not just me. Well, um, I, listen, hold on. I mean, listen, there are long movies, two and a half hours. You want to get really crazy. Give me three hours, and I will do my best to not take a bathroom break. Um, three and a half hours is unacceptable. And by the way, the killer is just under two, so we'll be okay. That's good. Yeah, um, but like, I, there's it. One of two things is true. Okay, either. It's two movies that could have come out separately. Or you could have cut at least half an hour. Right. Like it, and then to not do either and then be mad when theaters put an intermission in your movie so, so that their customers get be. Yeah. Is, uh, to me, just the height of jackassery. I'm sorry. It's uh, too much, man. It's too much. And, and like... You, that guy needs someone around him who can uh, tell him that not all of his instincts are correct. You know what I mean? He just And he has for quite some time. And I will even be more generous than you. I think I can think of a couple of, of Scorsese three-hour movies 
that I think are like great. And I wouldn't even like, I wouldn't even say Goodfellas is like too long. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Wolf of Wall Street is a three hour movie that I think still moves pretty well though. You could yeah, probably but again, from it. like but Goodfellas is two twenty six, right? Wolf only two twenty six. Yes. Wow. Wolf of Wall Street is three hours even, which is pushing it, but like it does move, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight too hard on that. Three and a half hours is just a bridge too far, no matter what. It's yeah. Ken Burns. You're Ken Burns. You're right. And like it's a miniseries. Make it a TV miniseries. You know? Yeah. It's not and a movie it, anymore. These are the rule for his films now, right? Like they're all like this. You know, I think Shutter Island was the last one he made under three hours. Yeah. And and by the way, we didn't uh, you may have liked it more than me. I don't totally remember. I didn't like the Irishman. I did not like the Irishman. So yeah, I like I I, I think we're in the same boat. Like I hope I've, I've heard retrospectively the Irishman has gotten better, and yet I have no desire to revisit it. I'm not going to go watch like old Robert De Niro looking young. It's confusing and upsetting. Um, it was hard. it was unintentionally comical at times. I yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm uh, great. I'm glad for people who came around to the Irishman. I'm going to pass. But I hope Killers of the Flower Moon is awesome, and I guarantee it didn't need to be this long. Right. I, that's, yeah, I've heard it's quite good. I, there's no way it needed to be three and a half hours. Anyway, yeah. we're not watching it this week. We are watching The Killer. Which is not three and a half hours. Which is less uh, than two hours. Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. And David Fincher is uh, still in his prime, arguably. Um, what else? We're also going to watch The Curse, um, which is a much talked about show. Uh, I don't know if it's Showtime or it Paramount is Showtime. Plus or, Same or, difference. Or Paramount Plus on Showtime. Nathan Fielder is also in his prime. Uh, but yeah, it's Nathan Fielder and it's Emma Stone. Um, and yeah, that's a, you, that's a series, by the way. Did you finish that show, that other show, by the way? I did the, not. Oh my uh, God. If you recall, I was not as into that show as you were. I know. I know. And it only got weirder and weirder. But. Um, you know what I wound up coming around on, which is it's it, not an Ethan Fielder show, but uh, certainly similar in that vein. Uh, How to with John Wilson, really? I, which I didn't love when we reviewed on the show, but okay. I, it's come to appreciate it more. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I would recommend checking that out uh, on on Max. I think there's two full seasons up now, and they're not super long seasons. So. No, and they're short episodes too. There's just nothing in them, is why I wouldn't bother. But um, that's. <laughs> Yeah, especially season two. Some of them take a real, they take a real turn. <laughs> the, 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 you, a couple lefts that you don't expect that are are pretty fun. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, so all yeah, right. yeah. Maybe I'll uh, take a look. Yeah, it might be worth revisiting. Uh, the third thing we want to watch is Colin from Accounts, and I did not write down where that is. Um, um it's an Australian show originally. And now it is available to you on so that's also Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, yeah. And I think possibly on Amazon Prime as well, although maybe it's paid there. Yeah, I think Par- I think Amazon Prime just shows you Paramount. gives you the option to watch Paramount Plus. Let me. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Australian comedy series. So hopefully we're having some fun this week. I would like to have some fun. I like to have some shows where we came back and was like, I had some good laughs. Yeah, you know? I mean, we had Neon. Thank goodness for Neon. Thank goodness <laughs> that I got fooled by Shea Serrano. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> Thanks for tricking us, Shay. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing this again next week. Same time, same place. Well, actually, probably different time. Yeah, we'll do different time, similar places. Yeah, sounds good. Bye. <laughs> this game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.